For a limited time, Comcast Business is introducing small business savings. Call now to save on powerful internet with no annual contract and a money-back guarantee. Call and start saving today. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Long weekends are all about getting a little you time. And at the Home Depot, you time means you building, you drilling, you doing, you recharging, you saving, and you going back for more. Do Labor Day your way and get a free 18-volt battery with select Milwaukee Power Toolkit purchases at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Today, we have a very special guest in the studio. She has been helping people for 15 years. She is a marriage and family therapist and a dating relationship coach, and her mission is to help people love and be loved. So please let me welcome all the way from sunny California, Miss Valerie DeLugo. Hi, Jesse. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. I'm excited for us to be talking and getting into all that we're going to be sharing today. I am so excited to have you because this is such an important part in the grief journey is relationships. And a lot, I don't really talk about my relationships uh, on the podcast yet. So I'm excited to be able to talk with you about it because I'm not perfect. I was never perfect. I'm still not perfect. And um, it's taken me, I don't know, 10 years to be able to properly communicate to my significant other. Even having degrees in communications makes no (laughs) sense to me. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I just want to start off by asking you one simple question. Why is communicating so hard in relationships? (laughs) Well, I have to say, too, as having a master's degree in psychology of the marriage and family, I am still not a perfect communicator either. (laughs) It's it is a journey. It is a lifelong journey. Oh, I think it's difficult because it takes so much sensitivity and time to actually check in with ourselves and figure out first what is actually happening in our thoughts, our mind, our emotion, our body, our bodily sensations. We, we really downplay that. Right. Yeah. Um, but I love the quote that says a lot of life is just us trying to not feel certain bodily sensations, right? Like <laughs> the easy ones are like public speaking, what we're doing right now, but mm-hmm. even like saying no to someone, um, you know, all of those things, we're actually trying to avoid a bodily sensation that's not pleasant. So imagine like having to, it's like an instrument of a car or a plane, right? You have to check in and all these things process it, understand it yourself, feel comfortable with it, and then find the words to explain it 
and get understanding and buy-in from another person that might not use the same uh, <laughs> units of measurement. They might be on uh, Celsius, uh, <laughs> right? I, like their their dashboard. They might have no idea. Um, I'm in a multicultural, multilingual relationship, so you know the Celsius is actually a real thing. But <laughs> <laughs> like, don't talk to me in feet. He says, you know, um, but actually, like words feeling different. Um, and even if you are from the same culture and speak the same language, just trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes is difficult. And then figuring out, okay, what do I do with this information that my partner just gave me? What am I supposed to do? What do they right. want me to do? Um, and how, and are they able to do that? What you're communicating to them, what you're asking of them. So it really is a wonder that. 50% of marriages do stay together. <laughs> you know, you're, you're sitting here and you're explaining all these, these feelings and emotions. And all I can think about is a child trying to convey how they want to be loved or if they need to be fed and they're just talking like gibberish. And you're like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yes. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, exactly. that's what it's reminding me of. And it's like, did I just compare myself to a baby? Yeah, um, I did. <laughs> the older I get, the more I understand toddlers. Like, yeah, I just reached my my limit and I'm going to just fall on the sidewalk and just can I just have a little cry? Like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get that I'm I'm being unreasonable when I haven't been fed. I I truly get it. Yeah, and I know along with with grief because a lot of people are probably wondering why are we talking about relationships when your podcast is about grief, Jesse? Well, <laughs> Um, because communication with grief also um, is extremely hard as well, because a lot of people cannot relate to how we feel when we're grieving, because it's it depends on how you lost somebody, who they were, how long you knew them, the relationship between the two. So and that also plays in with significant others. Now, I know with me, I was never really open with my partners about my grief because it's dark. It is a very dark place, especially the more I lost, the darker it got. Oh, and yeah. I never wanted to put that on my partner, mm. but that divided us. So mm. that leads me into my next question, which is, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about giving an open and safe place to talk about your grief without any judgment and maybe some, some um, similarities but how do you navigate a partner or a friend who genuinely does not want to talk about their grief? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think you you started off with a really important a part of this is, do you know if you are creating a safe place for them? And we can talk about, and I'm sure you've talked about it before, Jesse, like just what are some of the things that you can do to make someone feel comfortable, right? And okay. I'm uh, another one of my missions is, is to make direct communication sexy again. Yes. <laughs> I want to be like direct communication helps us all. Uh, it's one of the number one, um, you're being assertive, which, right, maybe um, sometimes we think is more of a, a little bit of a negative for women, maybe praised in men, right? Yes, um, that is correct. About the binary right now. Mm -hmm. um, assertiveness is, is one of the number one indicators that a relationship will be like healthy and functional. Okay. Each partner's ability to ask for what they need and maybe 
uh, entertainment or, or uh, movies have made this romanticized, right? I don't want to have to tell a partner what I, you know, what I really want or need. They should know if they love me. And I feel like that's one of the most harmful myths. Um, yes. <laughs> and I would even say, do, I, I tell people, if you do not, if you cannot answer the question, what are you asking of me? What do you need? Then you should not start talking to your partner <laughs> or you should start off by saying, Hey, I'm feeling some feelings. I, I haven't fully processed it, but right. Um, this is what I've got so far. But if you can't, if, if you can't answer the question, what do you need or looking for them? Then maybe just spend a little more time processing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, sorry, I, I, <laughs> I went on a little rabbit trail. That felt real, it felt important. I don't know. I'll come, I'll come back to where we were uh, communicating uh, and making a safe place for your friends and your loved ones. So I think asking them directly, what would make you more feel more comfortable to share? And then if they don't, if they truly just don't want, maybe they're not verbal processors, maybe they're more introverted than extroverted. Um, maybe they're processing with someone else. Um, maybe they don't want to process it verbally. I think the best, the, the most important thing I could say right now is then you as the partner need to take care of that on your own. Okay. Self-soothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on for you? Why does it feel so important? to, to have them share? What are the feelings that are coming up when they don't want to share? Um, I had a friend recently, uh, she was telling me about her friend who was going through some really difficult things. And there was an internal dialogue that was like, oh, if she doesn't open up, maybe I'm not a good enough friend. Um, What should I be doing? Right. What would a good friend do? Oh, other people are doing this. So I think really looking at what is this, what's going on for me as the partner, um, what are my shoulds? What are my um, what are my judgments against myself? What do I think should be going on? But like you said, which I think is so important for everyone to know, is that grief is a wild monster. It's just unpredictable. It's mm-hmm. when you think you have it figured out. It looks different for everyone. There is no right or wrong way. And I think we are very bad as a society with grief and and, and death and dying. Right? Yes. <laughs> Because Americans love to be happy. And if you if you have people in your life who are not American, uh, that is a gift. You learn a lot about yourself and your culture. Um, but Americans, we love to be happy. We think everything should be happy. Not all cultures feel that way. Right. Other cultures have more of a value on just processing things and that they know that there's going to be melancholy times and that there's actually quite beautiful things that come out of that. So we're not so great at grief as a society. Mm, it And that has been like my whole purpose is like, why mm. are we given maybe, maybe two weeks to uh, grieve a lost, a lost loved one uh, in today's society when two weeks I'm barely functioning. Like I'm, I'm still not sure. well <laughs> in two weeks mm-hmm. and the society is just, it's wrong. And I think that reflects so much on how like why we don't process the grief and talk about it the way that we should, because we're almost shunned. And there's only one thing that we are guaranteed in life and that is death. Yeah. So why, why is it treated as such a faux pas topic? And I think just having a strong partner and having people around you 
can really help because some crazy things happen when you start grieving, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. for, for me, I am not the same person that I was when I lost my dad. Um, I had beautiful long hair. I was 19, you know, just got out of high school. It was in my first year of college, just loving life. And, you know, now I'm like work, I have to work. I love working. I, you know, I have a smaller group of friends. So when dealing with grief or a new grief, mm-hmm. it changes you, it changes you. And you're not only grieving the loss of a loved one, you're grieving yourself changing as well. And when you're with somebody, they are also grieving the person that they loved who is now changed because of what they've gone through. As a partner, what should you do or how should you navigate that to be a better partner or keep the relationship strong and going during that time and that transition? Yeah, that is a great question. I talk about relationships that the ones that can withstand challenges are the ones where the the ties that bind you are more elastic, like elastic bands. Okay. But there's room for both of you to, to change, to morph, to explore, to have independence and freedom. Just read a quote about love that said, love should feel like you should be loved in such a way that you feel free. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. I think, I think there is, right. It's, it's an oxymoron, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Because we're <laughs> binding ourselves to one person in, right. It, it, it should feel free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> um, so, so there is this like dance there, right. The both end. And if you want some uh, trickle down therapy, uh, which someone, I love that. Someone just said that the other day to me, like I get trickle down therapy, but I think I need my own. Uh, so <laughs> trickle down therapy is I teach everyone like the base six of therapy, the both and in life. And so you can be grieving and you can have a joyous day. You Mm -hmm. can, right. You can so desperately miss that loved one and also feel present sometimes, right? Like these are all right. The both ands, but in relationships where you both have some room to change are the ones that I see lasting over time. Right. And, um, Many different like marriage um, experts say from different, all different kinds of disciplines that, you know, you're going to be married to six, seven, eight different versions. If you're, uh, we're talking long-term partnership, marriage, whatever you want to call it. But if you're going, if you're in a relationship with someone and it's going to last over years, they're going to be different people and you're going to be married to different versions of someone. (laughs) Um, and so I know that might sound wild and, and for maybe some of your younger, uh, listeners, it's like, oh, but I think if there is this, if you can both, if there's room, if there isn't this rigidity, you can, and, you know, um, sometimes, right. You have to look at your own values. What's more valuable, right. A relationship lasting just to last, or is it still functional and healthy? And in these new versions of yourself, is it, is it still working? Is it still serving both of you? Can you still show up authentically and, and give each other the love and the care that you both need? So, uh, space room, Lots of checking in with each other, I think is really important and that there really isn't one way to grieve. And you're right. There isn't, um, 
there isn't a, 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 an expected time, right? It's right. not two weeks. Oh, your dad died. <laughs> okay. Four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Like it, it, it isn't like that. And we are changed forever by our grief. Mm-hmm. And I think parts of us will grieve forever on things that we've lost. Yeah. It, it changes. It's morphed. Uh, I learned from Jill, Jill Johnson Young. She's a, she teaches therapists about grief. Um, but she says that the people who are able to successfully sort of, I hate the term move on, but I'll say it, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, those <laughs> who are able to like, right. Kind of just keep on living, right. Move, keep move forward going. is what we say. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes. That's better. Yes. Good. Move forward. Uh, in a in a healthy or in a yeah in a peaceful way have reorganized themselves after the grief what does what does your life what do you look like and I saw this really cute uh, thing that said uh, why do we call it emotional like our our uh, we call it emotional baggage but we don't call it a grief case ah I love it (laughs) I love it. Isn't that amazing. I wish I could tell you tell you the source. I don't know who said that, but why they missed a beautiful chance. Here's my grief case. And so I have been using that with with sort of right the expert saying uh, you need to uh, reorganize yourself after this loss. And so I asked my clients, what's going in your grief case? How is this person living on with you? How are you moving forward with them now? What's going in the grief case? What are you taking with you? I love that because I, I've imagined my own uh, suitcase, the one that you check, you know, not a carry on. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> need, like, you need to check a bag, Jesse. You yeah, I, I got a yeah. checked bag. I'll pay the extra 50 bucks. It's fine. Yes. Um, yeah. But I, I love that because you really pick and choose it's you don't overpack when it comes to that because mm-hmm. i think when you overpack you set yourself up for failure because you're sitting there and you're like they would have wanted me to do this or that and i can't do this and now i'm i'm stuck in this loop because i'm going to make them not proud of me anymore and it's like well really i should have just packed a simple picture or packed some music or you know, a funny memory of them, you know, and I love that. I absolutely love the grief case. That is fantastic. I'm going to have to draw one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really, right. Like our, and our, um, our visual sort of, um, imaginations are really powerful. Yeah. I, I use, Im- um, like guided imagery, even when there's things that are stuck like that our brains logically know, but then if we imagine it, um, it, it can really help us move past things. So I think the grief case is really good. Um, I think I told you when we, when we met Jesse, that I'm part of the dead dads club, um, Ooh. a club that no one wants to go to or <laughs> in there, right. Uh, at around 25, I lost my dad suddenly, um, to, um, he had a stroke and then a, a, a brain clot that he just didn't survive. Wow. That's how my dad died. Oh, uh, yeah. he had, he had cancer, but that's, mm. that is the dark part of what happened with that. So, yeah. um, hmm, very strange, but yeah. <laughs> yes, I, we understand. <laughs> 
I think that the way, right, I take him, he's in my grief case in we're very, him and I are very, very similar. And I know that like, I still hear stories from, um, from people he, he coached in a very like, you know, just, just um, casual way and that he made a difference in people's lives. And um, we look very similar and mm-hmm. uh, just some of the funny stories. And we joke, who's the, who's the most, who's the funniest in the family. So I still fight for the funniest in the family uh, for my brothers. But, um, and then I was in a <laughs> relationship it was a new relationship um and I think well funny enough my I was telling my dad about it and the guy was like seven years older which was kind of my limit of like how much older I wanted to date (laughs) yeah he knew nothing about the guy yet he goes no that guy's too old for you sorry he's too old for you it's not gonna work I'm like okay dad whatever yeah and the last conversation I had with him he's like you know what I've been thinking about you and <laughs> we never talked about relationships. He's like, you are Valerie Delugo. You will always be Valerie Delugo. When you get married, you're going to have to, I don't know, hyphenate or you're not taking his name because you, right? I know, I know. It's so weird. <laughs> that is so crazy because it wasn't my dad telling me that, but it was, his, you know, when we saw my dad, my brother came up to me and was like, you have to keep your last name. And I'm like, like, it's like 830 in the morning and you're mm-hmm. like, dad just died and you're, you got to keep your last name, Jesse. And I'm like, well, now I'm like, well, I got to get married first, but <laughs> <laughs> the brain doing weird things, right? Yeah. yeah it was very strange, wow. but I also feel like my brother also had a premonition as well. Um, during that moment, because, you know, uh, my brother died only a year and a half after my dad did. So it was very, very strange at first. I was like, really? Like I was just on the floor crying, you know, like, yeah. why are you talking to me about this right now? Yeah. What, what, you know, so it's, that is so very strange. I'm so, I'm so glad that you're sharing this because like, it's, it's really weird how close you can be with strangers by just a a death story. Yeah. So I, so he said, I'm like, okay, dad, whatever. Like he, he never wanted to talk about relationships. So I'm like, okay, dad, whatever. Um, and I didn't know there was a thing called like good last names. Like <laughs> and how some people really hate their names. Like you have a good one. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking that. Um, so then that ended up actually being our last conversation. Oh, so wow. I don't know to me, like, right. Like my dad really wouldn't care. Like, you know, um, but I thought, you know, that was our last conversation. So when I was dating and I'd meet guys and some of them were more traditional and I said, look, so that was like, you can't argue with my dead dad. Right. <laughs> you cannot argue with my dead dad. But I wanted to ask you a kind of a question that I feel like is your expertise. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the term emotional intelligence has made its way into our conversations, our mainstream conversations. Um, I believe that you're going to be able to kind of enlighten us about what it means and why is it so important in today's relationships? Yes. And I, I do love that his, that this term has gotten into more of a pop culture, mainstream discourse. When I started, um, doing therapy, my clients didn't know what self-care was. I had to explain that to them. And now, (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, 
Maybe we need to do a little collaboration with that because I have a different way of explaining self-care, it, right? Like it goes way beyond doing your nails and, you know, um, not a shower for me. <laughs> yes. Take it. Oh yes. Washing your hair. Yes. That's, that's tough. Uh, so emotional intelligence basically is the ability to, like I said before, recognize, understand, and process your own emotions, Right then being able to to observe someone else and and put yourself in their shoes or recognize maybe what they might be going through being able to empathize right understand mm-hmm. um the human condition and that where it can be similar or different to your experience right and your ability to process what they're telling you about their emotions and then if it, if it, if it didn't need to get any harder, then, <laughs> then it's the skill of navigating those two things, um, and having skillful communications and, um, you know, resulting in great problem solving and conflict resolution and mutual agreement, understanding and respect. Right. Hmm. That's all. <laughs> Are you sure that's all? Cause that sounds too easy. <laughs> Oh gosh. Like I said, it's tough. It's tough. And I think part of my mission as well is to just take some of the, some of the things that we teach people in couples counseling. I do it with individuals who come that are in relationships, but taking down some of these uh, skills and breaking them down into small, manageable, executable uh, skills and tools that you can try um, because no one teaches us this stuff and it's hard and long-term relationships, while amazing, are there are a lot of hard work, like anything right. else, right, Jesse? Mm-hmm. Like anything else that's really worth having or doing, you know, whatever it is, whether you're doing a little DIY project or you finish a thesis or you graduate or whatever it may be, right? Right. Um, that that um, satisfaction and that kind of understanding of, wow, look what I did. And so it is. I don't also don't want to be a doom and doom and gloom, like you know. Oh, relationships are so so tough. Don't bother. No, they're amazing. Just like what people say about having children. (laughs) It's a lot of work, but right. Like it is rewarding. So understanding yourself and being able to navigate that in relationships is super important. I, that's, I think that's really big. And that plays in grief as well. Understanding your grief um, is it's a tough inner question. And it's not something that comes overnight or just by, you know, thinking what is going on. Yeah. How's it, it showing up? Yeah. It, it shows up in different ways and it never, never goes away. It's always there, but mm-hmm. um, emotional intelligence is, is, I think is very important in all aspects, um, whether it's your professional one or a relationship or, you know, just being maybe a part of your, your self-care routine that I'm interested to know more about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Part of it is slowing down, right? I teach mindfulness as a way to start noticing the thoughts and the thought patterns that are very um, just second nature, right? We have, we have tapes that are playing in our heads and that being able to slow down, staying more in the present than in the past or the future can help you notice, huh? When I just said yes to that, I got a pit in my stomach or, Mm -hmm. huh, I noticed that um, I'm just kind of like grouchy. Let me think what's going on. Let me sit with that. 
We're really, we, we are afraid of big emotions, negative emotions. And honestly, the more that we validate them and leave room for them, the more that they dissipate, the more that we can see that we can tolerate that, that momentary distress in our bodies, right? So this is all the stuff I teach people. Um, and you need to, I talk about going from self to self-discovery, right? Who, who even am I? <laughs> what, what am I? Who am I? What do I like? What do I want? How do I work? You know, that's why I think like personality tests and all, and whatever you're into horoscope, like astrology, like any of that, that helps you, right. Kind of organize how you feel about yourself and understand yourself and your partner are super helpful, but then it's accepting yourself, right. Even those shadow sides as, <laughs> as with some people talk in psychology and healing the shadow side, the things about ourselves that we don't love, right. Accepting mm-hmm. those things, self-compassion. Then it's, then it's celebration. Like, can I celebrate who I am? Because you know, dating is marketing, right? Like, and you show up, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you excited about what you're selling? Are you excited about like, Hey, I'm awesome. Like I'm fun. I'm this, I'm that like, like, yeah, you seem fun. Let's, let's hang out. Right. Like if you don't, if there isn't a level of self-celebration, how can you even really get out there in an authentic way that attracts what you want? Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's self-mastery. So once you're like, yeah, all right. Like, like I'm, I'm good. Right. Then there's like <laughs> people like me, I like myself. Right. Like then it's, right. it's knowing yourself, like self mastery, knowing like, Oh, I better not watch that movie because I'm real emotional today or right. Like I'm not ready to do that. that right. So I, I've done that way too many times where I'm like, I really shouldn't have watched that movie. Um, and I did anyways. And I'm like, dang it. Like <laughs> it led to a dark place. <laughs> am I, am I emotionally ready to listen to Adele's new album? Right. Like, am I never, <laughs> never. <laughs> right. Or even, you know, there's a lot of, if this is Jesse, if it's okay to talk about this right now, mm-hmm. there is a lot of invisible grief. And that's another thing. We're not good at the big griefs, but there are so many things. It's okay to grieve for things that just never were. Yeah. things we missed. Right. Yeah. My dad was not at my wedding. Mm-hmm. Right. Your dad's not going to be at yours. <laughs> no, one's going to be at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> no I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it just, any chance. No, I no, get. It's, good. it's good. That's why I said, I know that we'll have great conversations. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's like kind of an older tradition. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's not there for you, but see, everyone's different. Cause I'm like, I don't want to like light a candle for my dead dad. Like, no, he's just, he's not here. He's in our memories and he's not like, no, that's not for me. For some people, that is a beautiful. Oh, I know what we did. We had a whole table. Oh, (laughs) Jesse, I'm just thinking about your table. We had a whole table of like my parents' wedding pictures, my, both of my grandparents' wedding pictures. And then my husband had his parents' wedding pictures. So we put them in beautiful frames. That's what we did. I love that. I'm talking a big talk, but I did something (laughs) that was, you know, uh, now that we're talking about weddings, (laughs) I went to one, um, this past weekend Mm -hmm. and then, um, talking about the movie situation, uh, when the father daughter dance came on, I was like, well, this is where I go to the bathroom. (laughs) So very good. And, um, and then 
the mother and son, mother and groom, there we go, mother and groom dance. I was like, well, it's time for me to go to the bathroom again. <laughs> and I just, you know, because I, I try, I tried it. And every time my friends would either they'd look at me while they were dancing with their dad to see if I was okay, because they were mm-hmm. really good friends. Shout out to Rachel. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, they would, um, you know, or I just sit there like, don't look at me. Who's crying, you know? Um, But now, I mean, now I don't feel that way. I just, I'm like, well, I try to remove myself from that situation before it happens because it's uncomfortable to be the only one crying at a wedding. (laughs) And there's sad tears. You can tell when there's sad tears. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's so good. Like you've got, you've, you're definitely like got a handle on some of the things and just knowing like, yeah, I have no business being here because this is not good for anybody. Like this is just, no, it's like tears. This is going to end in terrible tears. No, no, no. Um, yes, yes. And right, like even grieving things or it popping up in different ways. And I, I, I'm also dealing with some other different kind of um, invisible grief uh, because we, we met up with infertility and just decided to not mangle my body, uh, trying to do things through IVF. So, um, we have sort of that invisible grief and it affects, it affects you in ways that you don't realize. So yeah, certain, certain times I bowed out of different things and just knowing like, yeah, it's just, you don't have to, you don't have to, there's nothing to prove. Yeah. Nothing to prove. And you asked me about like biggest mistakes or what can you do? And the best thing that you can do is center yourself always. And in a culture that really values self-sacrifice, that might sound selfish, but honestly, right. You said we all, we're all, or only, we're all promised a death. Like we, we were born one <laughs> and we, we die table of one. Like it's, yeah. we're, we're by ourselves. Right. So who else just kind of like the mask from the airplane, you gotta, You've got to center yourself because then it gets weird, right? So I think that if I could say to someone, you know, one of your listeners that has going through grief, it's okay to center and ask yourself, what do I need? Because just even knowing that can help you in your relationships, right? Right. Yeah. You can, and that's like, right. Then once both people know what they need or what they would like, um, then there's the compromise and negotiation and just kind of dancing around. But if you don't, if you don't, you know, you're not a burden. And if you are to that person, then maybe this relationship isn't serving you anymore. And I think, can we, can we hold things uh, less like in a fist and more open-handed, right? Yeah. Um, We find security in a lot of things, but, but is it, is it really? Yeah. Um, You know, I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking about my past relationships and, um, I'm going to go off the record here because you talked about this in a different interview and I can't remember the term that you use. Bids for for connection. Yes. I would love to talk some more about bids of connection because I feel um, when people are grieving, Mm -hmm. they lose connection. Mm. They they have lost a connection and it's kind of like the best way I can describe it is like we're just one big outlet. And then when one person unplugs, the whole thing just stops working. Mm. And then you have to kind of figure out which plug goes where to gain that full body back. And um, 
I think having those bids, bids for connection mm-hmm. is so yeah. important. So please, can you, can you talk some more about that and how it could relate in uh, relationships when grieving? Sure. So the Gottman Institute has done so much research about relationships and what makes, um, a relationship work and they like they can predict within a few minutes like up to I don't know 90% accuracy whether a relationship was gonna last or 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 not make it um, by using a few different variables and one of them is talking about bids of connection it looked how partners showed up for each other so they and and the and the participants knew that they were on sort of a, a scientific research lab like retreat or like getaway (laughs) in a beautiful place in Northern California. Uh, And they videotaped and they kind of coded all the behavior and they noticed they wanted to look at if one partner, even as subtle as saying like, Oh honey, look at this, look at this boat on the water. How did, how did people respond? Did they outright ignore? Did they say like, I'm busy, like, or why are you bothering me? And then, or did they actually say, oh, what is it? Or did they get up and look? And just noticing that those are the little everyday bit by bit things that are going to bring you connection in your relationship, or are they going to bring further disconnect Mm -hmm. when your partner? So, right. So that I think, yeah, in the interview that you're talking about, I talked about how, um, yeah, the funny part was that my husband would be kind of do the like Stewie family guy, like mom, mommy, mom, mom, like babe, 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 no. like from across the house. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh finally I'm like, what? And he's like, hi. <laughs> and at first I wanted to kill him. And then, you know, that's why I say like my my getting my um getting uh, my degree saved our relationship. Um, (laughs) But then when he just wanted to show me like a stupid, like, I don't know, monkey video or whatever, I realized he's wanting me to enter. He's wanting to share. He's wanting to connect. He's wanting me to enter into his world. He's wanting to share. And those little things don't seem so important, but that, that is a basis of your relationship. So every time he'll say, Hey, come look, Hey, this, Hey, that I realize that those are little things I can do every day to strengthen, honestly, his desire to want to let me into his inner world. And so on the flip side of that, realizing that when we, when we say like, why are you bothering me? Or, <laughs> you know, uh, like just ignoring, I know it made me sad. That uh, yeah. It's like, it me sad. Partner. like what, what's, what are you doing? So yeah, that, I think that is one tip that anybody can implement today going, going and just noticing that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think about all the times that my partner is like, here, come look at this. And it's, it's like a dirt bike. I'm like, cool great so what's what's your advice on how to uh make those moments exciting and make you want to be there more for them sure so i think to be a successful i mean i might go and say human but to be successful in relationships you really have to be curious i think you have to be curious and you have to be interested I think every time your partner shows you something, I think if you're like trying to learn something new about them or like why, or like, again, it's, 
if you can muster up excitement because it's something that excites them and you care for them, right? Yeah. If this is your person, then I think, right? Like just removing yourself from it. This is a moment that you're like, oh, why is this dirt bike so cool? I don't know. It looks like the other 10 dirt bikes you show me. Tell me why this one's cool. Why do you like this one? Or I don't get it, babe. Like, let me like, tell me more so I can get excited or, (laughs) or it's just like, and sometimes you're just, you don't have to authentically be, it's just acknowledging the bid, acknowledging the bid. Ooh, you're getting ex- Ooh, is that your next? Is that is that the next bike you're 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 saving up for? And you know what? You you never know what you might get excited about when you learn more about it. But it's an act. I think it's sort of a selfless act too. It's an act of pouring into your relationship. Mm. Now, can bids of um, shit? I just forgot connection. Connection. Bids of connection. <laughs> can bids of connection. Um, not be positive ones? Sometimes it can be good if you're always like, say the giver, right? Let's say you're always the giver or you're always the, or the initiator, right? Um, if you're into Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram too, right? (laughs) So, um, relationships are really important. And so I'm, I'm probably always the first one to go like, Hey, let's get together. But then if I give too much, I'm like, well, does anyone, is anyone else making, I have to be careful for uh, resentment in relationships. That's my thing, right? That's what I have to work on. Mm -hmm. So if, but if I'm always the first one, if like, you know, I'm the first, if I'm so eager, because it's what, it's what I'm oriented around, then maybe that's why I'm the first person, you know, maybe that's why I'm always the initiator. So sometimes you can kind of sit back and just go like, because you don't want to get resentful, like, can I leave some space for someone else to show some initiative or some care? Right. Right. But then like, if you have neurodiverse people in your life, if you have people with ADHD that like maybe aren't great planners, right. So it's all about the meaning we make. That's why direct communication is, is, is my, is my number one. Okay. I think there are times where you can go, Hey, maybe I've been the initiator and maybe you're wondering if, if someone is, if the reciprocity is there, right? Like, do they care? Mm -hmm. But I would say for the most part, um, direct communication, if you need someone to talk to, and I, I, I guess, Hmm, how do I say it? It feels good. It feels good for people right? Of course, Mm -hmm. we all want someone to notice us and to reach out. Yeah. And I think I love that you brought up the that you struggle with resentment, because that is actually one of the biggest things that I struggle with, is Mm -hmm. that I'm like, I wish they would have done that differently, or I wish that they were there for me more. But did I give them any, any chance to be there for me? Or did I give them any direction or any hint? No, I didn't. Did you outright tell them, Hey, I feel like I just need a little more support. Are you, how are you doing? Do you have the right direct communication? Right. 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 Exactly. No hints, no hints. It's you're absolutely right. Direct communication is sexy and (laughs) just like grief is normal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And right. I also teach self-compassion a lot rather than like self-esteem, just self-compassion, noticing like, yeah, you didn't know what to do and you were overwhelmed with grief, right? And again, who's teaching us, hey, it's okay to ask for what you need. And if someone can't give it, that's okay too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 
whereas little Jesse would be like, okay, I asked for it. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> I think that's the vulnerability of, of direct communication and assertiveness, right? Is like what happens if they won't. And actually I say that this is probably the most defeating moment in a long-term relationship is the moment that you figure out what you need. You figure out how to communicate it to them. You communicate it to them. And then they actually can't give you what you need. Whether if it's because you're right, your need is bumping up against their issues, Mm -hmm. right? Their unresolved conflict inside of themselves. If they don't know how to, uh, if they're scared to, whatever those reasons are, because I think in our heads, we think, well, if, if they knew how they were hurting me, they would stop. And just sometimes, yeah. And it's possible to work past that and we grow. Right. And as long as I say, I say, as long as both people uh, are, are trying even just a little like that, that effort, uh, yeah. can, you know, keeps it going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't want to take any more of your time. We are a little bit past <laughs> our hour. Cause I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I knew that we were going to go past our time, but I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I just want to make sure, but um, I want to give you a chance to tell everyone how they can find you, how they can support you, and tell them a little bit more about what you're what you're up to. Yeah, thank you. So you can uh, find me at so this is love dot club. So this is love. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> and then it's also so this is love. Ooh. Like this is what everybody like. This is what happens after the movie ends. This is ha- this is what happens at the end of that love story. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, there. And I think love is definitely a, a mixture of those moments. Like I definitely have moments that are like I really never thought in my whole life I would be saying this right now. And then there's moments of like, wow, I'm I'm really loved. Well, this is Aww. this is it. Yeah. So it, so it's a mixture of that. And I think part of the big thing is the expectation. So you can find me at so this is love.club. Um, I do um, see people on an individual basis and um, I am running a course right now called reset yourself for love. I had so many uh, female clients say to me, like, I think I just need to take a break from dating. And actually I had, I had gotten all ready to start a dating course, which I will, um, I'll run that later on this year. But before that I had so many women saying, oh, I just, I just need a break. I don't know. This isn't working. And I think I just need to focus on myself. Right. And I want to support the women who are doing that because looking for love is a tough, it's it's a tough journey. There's, I think, especially on women, it's tough. There's so much judgment. Um, and I think the journey starts with, with self-discovery and self-love and it ends with really understanding what you're looking for and, um, what you, what you think you need in love. And so we talk all about that. And let me, let me just circle right back around Jesse to emotional <laughs> intelligence. I get asked a lot, what makes a good relationship? What should I even be looking for? I don't even know. Research shows that um, in heterosexual relationships, it's the emotional intelligence of the, the male partner that's going to predict <laughs> the, uh, yeah. So of course my husband was like, oh, we're fucked. 
that's what I'm, I'm that's what I'm thinking in my head I'm like wow uh, he knows he knows but you know what he is he he's he's open he's open enough that I'm like okay I'll keep you around Aww. but uh, he's learning he's growing and I think probably is one reason why I want to break things down into small steps but so right but what should you even be looking for and there's other things that have been researched um so I want to support women that's a small um group coaching program. You can find out about that later, later this year, I'll start the mastering, um, the dating game, which really uses attachment theory to really, um, help you figure out like what is going on here. And I know dating is a tough process as well. And I just, there's ways that you can feel better about it, find your power in it and, um, uh, waste less time on it. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I have going on. And, um, I am on Instagram at, so this is love.club as well. And, uh, this has been so great, Jesse. Thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you again. Thank you so much for your time. And I, this was so much fun. This is the stuff again, no one teaches us. We the Schools need to teach us how to love and how to do our taxes and the world would be a better place. Hmm. Yes. And how to <laughs> grieve. <laughs> and how to grieve. Oh, okay. So everybody, so everybody tonight, just think about what you're putting in your grief case. Um, maybe, and is there something that your loved one wouldn't even want you to be carrying around still? Hmm. That's something to ponder on. Congratulations on your second season. And see, see, listeners, it's it can, it doesn't have to be painful to work on yourself or your relationship. It can be fun. isn't offered to the sun but to the smoking tire the s-curve and the spin turn and if you ride it make sure you do it in a dodge charger challenger or durango because on this highway the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons welcome to highway 93 dodge is a registered trademark there you are in the great wide open when you hear it dinner time when you're hungry you're not going to let 5,000 feet of mountain get in your way and if they try that's what kia's lineup of exceptionally capable suvs with available all-wheel drive is for the telluride sorrento sportage and seltos are how you know we take this pretty seriously the suvs and the dinner hurry into your local kia dealer today kia movement that inspires visit kia.com for details always drive safely